this is Taylor Rhodes from the Greylog team. This is our second podcast, and you just listened to the Engineering Fanfare, which means a short anthem. So for today's show, we have our first guest speaker in the history of Greylog, Eric Capiano. And hey. hey, this is Bernd, uh, tuning in from Germany. This is Chris Black, tuning in from Houston. And I'm Eric Capuano, tuning in from Austin, Texas. I am Leonard Koopman, and I'm tuning in from Houston. <laughs> so thanks for joining, Eric. We are very excited to have you on the show. Just to give a little rundown of the agenda, um, Leonard is going to start giving some Olympic updates, and then Eric is going to go into how he's been using Greylog. He recently did a talk in Austin about Greylog and all the cool features he's been building. So Leonard, do you want to kick it off for us? Yes. I want to start by saying that this intro was very professional. I want to applaud everyone for following the very clear instructions that we gave before the fanfare started. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so we thought about what to talk about today. And obviously, Eric is kind of our main topic. And uh, we're going to talk more gem in just a second. I, however, want to start with how I woke up this morning to a Twitter stream going absolutely insane about Germany apparently winning the ice hockey game, or apparently many people just call it hockey, I learned today, which led to me quickly getting out of bed, uh, trying to figure out where the Winter Olympics are being streamed and how I can watch that. And I tuned into the last, let's say, 10 minutes of the third half time until I figured out that there's actually three of them. And I didn't, I didn't even know when it ended. So I kind of started this morning very confused, trying to figure out how many people are on the, on the, what is it? The, the ice rink or whatever they're playing. On. Um, and um, I spent a very confused morning. So I'd like to apologize for whatever's going to happen on this podcast today. Um, it also turns out that there's only four players on the field. Did you know that? Did anyone know that? Is anyone on this four? podcast watching ice hockey? There's that only doesn't four. sound right. There's only, I counted them. There's only four. And a goalie. Ah, uh, five. During a, during a penalty situation, that's right, yes. Oh. What is a penalty situation? <laughs> we'll cover that another time. Okay. Okay. We also, we got some feedback for the last podcast about how it was a little long. Um, so I have more notes here, including about my AC and how hot it is. Uh, I think we're going to skip this for today, I would say. So um, what was next on the agenda, uh, Taylor? So next on the agenda, we're going to kick it off to Eric. All exactly. Right. So I, sorry, Eric, I have, um, it's a very polite introduction for you. I'm sorry. Um, I have, um, I think we should start with how we met, uh, if you remember, you Eric. I, I, I definitely do. <laughs> because we met about three times. Yeah. <laughs> so how about you talk about DEFCON 2016 and I talk about DEFCON 2017? Yeah, you bet. Um, I, I remember it was uh, it was up on the, the 23rd floor at, uh, what was that? I guess, yeah, DC, DC 24, was it? Yeah. And mm -hmm. um, I'm walking out of the Packet Hacking Village where, as, as you know, I, I run a, a honeypot competition over there near the Wall of Sheep. Uh, that also happens to star Greylog. But um, I was walking away from the packet hacking village, uh, you know, going down to maybe grab another beverage. 
and I see this 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 tall guy wearing a gray log shirt, which is not a very common thing. I don't think I've seen many or any gray log shirts prior to that that moment. And so we stop and chat. And I said, "Gray log's amazing." And you turned around and said, "Well, hell yes, it is." And then I find out that you're essentially, you know, co-founder of Gray Log, and that was a pretty cool moment for me. And then uh, you bet the rest is history. <laughs> so I I came back from Vegas and I said I ran into this dude and had my shirt on and we were both I think ready to grab another beverage and he he recognized me and we had a like really quick chat I think I was there with my with my buddies uh, Mary and Lewis and uh, Richard and a few other people and um, that was I think the last interaction we had for about exactly a year which was DefCon 2017 like 12 months later um, when Richard again texts me and says, Hey man, I'm in the packet, uh, 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 in the packet hacking village and there's a big gray log on the screen. Maybe you should come down here and take a look at that. Uh, so I did come down there and I tried to figure out who set that up. And, um, I talked to one of your buddies, Eric, and he said, yeah, so, um, yeah, we use this a lot in here. And it's like, yeah, it's obviously pretty big on the wall. Uh, let me figure out where the guys who set all this up and who's kind of the brain behind this. And he pointed me your direction and we talked and I think it took both of us about, well, it took at least me about five minutes because it was also the morning after our party in Vegas, mm -hmm. uh, the famous Greylocks uh, sweet party. Um, it took me about five or 10 minutes until I realized, wait a second, that is the guy who I ran into in the hotel somewhere on the floor uh, about a year ago. Yep. So that's how we kind of met again. And then from there on, really stayed in contact, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And then hanging out at B-Sides Dallas was a fantastic time. Yeah. So you bet. Yeah. And and we were doing some we were doing some very interesting things with Greylog there in the Packet Hacker Village. And I, I might touch on a little bit of that here today as well. Absolutely. So before we, um, before we kind of jump into that and you, we... We let you tell us a little about what you're doing with Greylog and what your experiences have been so far. Um, la at the last podcast, we talked about uh, Greylog version 3.0. Um, that is still happening just the way that we talked about. <laughs> We're making pretty good progress over here. So uh, stay tuned for that. Um, okay. Um, Taylor, is there anything else on the agenda? Like right now that I'm skipping? No, I think you're on point. Beautiful. So... Eric, why don't you give us kind of a little overview of what you're doing uh, with Greylog, how you got into it, um, just anything that you think is interesting for the for the people that listen today. You bet. So um, it really it really all started off as um, as kind of a, kind of an experiment a couple of years ago. Um, so as I mentioned, I I run the Honeypot Challenge um, over at the Packet Hacking Village, which essentially is more of an offensive focused challenge where we we basically invite people at DEF CON to attack a small network of systems that we've built and exposed to the DEF CON network. And the, the, it can, the interesting element to it is that we've built this network to defend itself. And it's largely powered by Greylog at the core of it. And so the way that I'm, the way that I'm doing that is pretty, pretty basic is, you know, I've got the, you know, Beats log shippers sitting on all of these honeypots throughout the environment, and they're shipping all of their, their access logs to Greylog. So Greylog has the situational awareness of every single activity happening on the network, including, you know, from the firewall that's at the core and the perimeter and so on and so forth. And so since Greylog is that aggregation point that has that visibility of all of these activities, 
I said, well, then what if I were to write these streams that would detect very specific activities on the systems? So maybe what I want to do is I want to let the attacker onto the honeypot, but if they run a specific command, then I'm going to take an action against them. You know, maybe I'll insert their source IP address into a temporary blacklist at the firewall. And that's all being done by Greylog. Greylog is detecting the presence of that particular event and then using the alert capability, which as many know, you can do far more than just send an email with the alert capability. You can you can run a script, you can do any number of things. And so I would essentially run a script that would then, you know, add that that attacker IP address to a dynamic blacklist in the firewall. And there you have it. Greylog just defended my network for me uh, based on very specific criteria that I defined. And so that's that's kind of a really high level of what we were doing at the Packet Hacking Village. And it was more more or less for a really fun game, um, you know, to, to, to make this network very challenging for people to attack. Um, now, what I'm doing with it more in an operational sense um, is still very much security focused. So what I've, what I've done is, and, and, and I want to preface with, you know, many of the things I've done was built on many, you know, the projects of many other really smart people, um, largely, obviously, the Greylog development team. You guys are, are building a fantastic platform. Uh, but also there's a few others, you know, um, the uh, Ion Storm has a great GitHub repository that I've leaned on a lot. You know, Swift on Security publishes a really fantastic Sysmon configuration I've used quite a bit. Um, so some of the things that I'm doing with Raylog today from a security operations perspective is obviously leveraging the really amazing sidecar collector, which, you know, allows me to put, um, you know, win log beat on 100 to 1500 systems and still be able to centrally con control the WinLog beat configuration from Greylog. I mean, that is, you know, invaluable. Um, now, when you take WinLog beat, which, you know, is being managed by the sidecar collector, and you couple that with Sysmon from Sysinternals, you're now able to bring in a phenomenally valuable amount of information from your endpoint that you can, you can write. You could write streams to detect things from memory resident threats, um, you know, uh, Mimi cats, you know, scraping credentials out of uh, out of you know the LSS process, you know, um, process creation with hashes, which is fantastic, right? Um, you know, Windows event logs can give you some granular information about processes, but you're not getting the hash of the binary that that process, you know, essentially is sitting on disk. And so it's, it's, it's able to provide so much information that you're able to bring into Greylog and then using the, the streams, or I should even say the pipelines and then the streams, right, with the Thread Intel plugin, able to query open source Intel to further enrich the data, you know, you're able to build these streams that, one, could simply just kick off notifications to your SOC to say, hey, you know, there's a very, you know, uh, concerning threat on an endpoint right now because of, you know, the presence of, let's say, Windows event ID, you know, um, what's, a, what's a really good one? Like uh, 4625, uh, 46, right? Failed logons. I mean, obviously, there's many reasons that you could have failed logons in environment, but I could have my stream rule out the, the more common ones like expired passwords. I'm not as interested in expired passwords, but I do want to know about like a brute force against any of the systems in the environment. But now 
more, I'd say a little bit more complex than that is how about the presence of Sysmon event ID six saying that a driver was loaded, but the image loaded path is not a protected directory like C windows or C program files. Okay. That means a driver's being loaded from somewhere else on the file system, which is very you know unusual. I'm not going to say it doesn't happen, but it's very unusual. So that's the kind of thing that I might want my security team to have awareness on to go and now investigate on that endpoint and see what's going on. And if it turns out to be legitimate, okay, then we add a further condition in our in our alert to 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 rule out that now whitelisted uh, process. So anyway, you know the, the the short of it is, I mean, Graylog is is such a powerful tool. One of my favorite things about it is that it's got a very narrow learning curve. Um, anyone can implement it. You could have Graylog up and running in your environment in you know, 15 minutes flat. And with the addition of the sidecar collector, it's just so manageable. Um, it's, it's fantastic. That's kind of a high level. <laughs> that sounds pretty cool. Um, so... I think so. My my, uh, we talked about Windows event IDs. I think my favorite one is the, and I was very proud that I remembered four six two five is the one for uh, for failed logins. Mm-hmm. I think one of one of my favorite ones to always look out for is the audit log cleared one. Oh, absolutely! Uh, because mm-hmm. this means an attacker just thought that he or she might have just hidden all of the traces, but in fact, all the traces are still in gray log, and you were just alerted on it. Um, so that right. is probably one of my favorite ones. Um, so I, I have a few questions, and uh, Chris Baron Taylor, if you have you have any, uh, uh, you're of course welcome to join into this. Um, so how do you currently call out to other systems? I really like the idea of uh, what you said for the uh, uh, for the capture of the flag in uh, at DEFCON, where you said that you were waiting for certain events and then basically automated um, reactions to that. So when you said you were waiting for an attacker to execute a command and then Based on that, execute something else. Is that a script that you're calling on using the Greylock alerts, or are you somehow pulling the REST API? Like, how how are you doing that? You bet. So I'm actually I'm I'm using a plugin. It's a it's a alert plugin called um, I want to say it's it's Greylog two plugin exec, and mm-hmm. essentially it's it's exactly what you you it sounds like. It it enables me to define an alert that actually would kick off a script. And it, it, it can be a bit limited in some ways. Um, I have had to kind of massage it to get it to do some of the things I wanted to do. Um, but that's one method that I've used to fire off a script um, that would you know, perform an action maybe by interacting with the API of one of my firewalls, or maybe just simply writing to a flat text file that I'm serving up you know, with an Nginx web server that then my firewall is then reaching in and retrieving periodically. Um, and, and one of the, one of the kind of, you know, method, roundabout methods I've, I've used things like that for is the Greylog streams support a standard out, you know, a standard out, um, uh, essentially an output. And so if, if there's some reason that I want the contents of a stream to maybe be written to a file, I can leverage the standard out output there. And then be using be using that flat file um, on the on the underlying Linux operating system for other purposes like you know populating some blacklist or running some sort of parser that's gonna you know perform some other action. So um, that's that's one of the ways that I've I've kind of messed with that there. Cool. There's another one, um, and I think Richard wrote that one. Um, who you uh, in our first meeting? He was there with us. I think um, he wrote a plugin that, and I hope. I'm 
correct about this, but I think what it's doing is it is writing as an output, just like the standard out output, it is writing um, CSV files uh, in an intelligent way, like chunking all that stuff around it. Um, so if you don't want to mess with kind of the direct Greylock log on, on standard out from the Greylock server process, you can also use something like this. Um, I really, really, really like that people start to integrate Greylock with automation, um, automatic kind of triggers of, yes. of actions on other systems and stuff like that. That is really, really cool. That That's actually something I remember uh, from our DEF CON last year conversation. You bet. Um, that actually, that shape part of the roadmap for version 3.0. Um, when you mentioned how much you like the sidecar and the stuff that you're doing with that, and we're going to have a lot of UX improvements, uh, security improvements, other things there in 3.0. Um, I've seen, uh, we have all seen um, in a meeting recently, the the new stuff that we're doing there. It's going to be really, really, really cool. Um, and we'll also have, uh, like we mentioned last time, all these complex new detection mechanisms that I think if you start to combine those with automatic actions, so it's something that's not only threshold-based, but more like pattern-based mm -hmm. uh, detection of events, the moment you can start to uh, trigger things uh, based on these detection mechanisms, I think this will get even more powerful. So um, I haven't told Baron and the other engineers yet, but I kind of have the secret plan of also ship 3.0 with, um, uh, uh, with a way or with an out-of-the-box um, script triggering kind of alert mechanism Fantastic. because um, because there's so many so many people who talk about this and yes uh, a lot of people who started doing that with Greylock so we want to make this more obvious and kind of ship it out of the box. You bet. Um, I actually mm -hmm. um, I gave a talk at um, Art and Science, a defensive conference in Austin, um, about leveraging Greylog for security operations. And one of the examples I gave, um, this is a really neat one, and. Um, Essentially, what I've what I've done is I've I've given a, a an example of a, a maybe you've created a stream that has criteria for things that would define one hundred percent you know a memory resident threat maybe maybe there's a um, a process target image with you know the word Mimi cats in it or you've got something that's accessing winlogon.exe in memory um, you know any number of different conditions that could define a memory resident threat and the the Essentially, the alert that I define would be an, more of an active response, where what you're doing is you're then calling out to a GUR server, right? Google Rapid Response. And you're essentially giving a tag to the victim workstation that generated that event, a tag that then GUR will come around maybe once a minute and pick up any systems with that tag and begin a memory dump right away. So now what's happening is Greylog is actually initiating a RAM capture on a system that has a very volatile threat in memory so that by the time my analyst gets the alert, that RAM capture is sitting there waiting for them. It's no longer one of those, is the threat still going to be on the box by the time the responder gets there? That is really cool. Um, we were also talking about some other integrations that you would kind of really like to see. Um, what was this? There was one um, uh, for, I think, detection. Um, what was the one? I forgot the name. I should have prepared for this better, I think. <laughs> um, uh, what was it? Was it, uh, it was not called Swarm. Something like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
<laughs> mm, uh. I should have really prepared this, I'm afraid. <laughs> um, what I wanted to say is that we are working on these integrations yeah. um, because we as Greylog have kind of the philosophy of we don't want to reinvent the wheel. Um, so if there's something out there that's really good at something like uh, automatically triggering a ticket creation in another system, for example, to alert your uh, your incident response team, um, that is other things that you could do with this automation, right? Absolutely. Um, that is probably something that you would have to do manually right now. Um, but that is something that, that we want to enable out of the box and kind of have Greylock sit in the middle, do all the, the, all the detection, all the data processing, but then also trigger out to other systems. That is something that we're definitely focusing on. Absolutely. And, and, and I believe one of the features you'd mentioned uh, in 3.0 is that Sidecar, you guys are looking to kind of expand what Sidecar is capable of. Whereas instead of just managing configuration for Beats, we may be able to simply manage a configuration for maybe any number of, of endpoint agents. Uh, yeah, is, that, is that correct? I can answer that. Yeah, so we have... Sorry, Baron, yeah, I think I'm you're actually, actually working on that. So, in that yeah, project, that's, right? that's true. So the idea is that we um, that you basically that you can basically define your own backends, uh, your own collector backends, and then start those on the host that uh, yeah have a sidecar running. So you can basically say, okay, I need this special collector. I have it on several machines, and you can just tell Greylock to okay start this and put this configuration in that location, and then start and restart it. So. Um, that's what we want. That's what we want to do. That that is that is phenomenal because um, you know right now, like I mentioned, and many many security folks you know know the value of Sysmon on the endpoint, uh, but right now there's no there's no real scalable way to manage Sysmon configurations on endpoints. Um, matter of fact, I'm riding on the coattails of Ion Storm. They they have a really neat, uh, basically a batch script that that installs Sysmon and then also creates a scheduled task that will phone phone out to a GitHub repository and pull down a Sysmon config on a on a specified interval. And while that works, that's that's certainly not you know the long term solution to something like yeah, that. Could, so I'm you, really excited you will about that. Be able to do that with the new uh, uh, sidecar stuff in 3.0. That will happen. That's fantastic. Yeah, and I think you'll also be able to, uh, because of the way that Sidecar and its tagging works, you could also say, I want to roll out this new configuration only to all my uh, to all my AD servers, and I want to roll out all of this configuration to all of my workstations. Because for Sysmon, that's probably going to be uh, a different level of monitoring you want to do, right? Um, so we'll have an extremely flexible kind of template language way of of rolling out these uh, configurations. And we took a lot of the UX feedback that we got from the, the people that used Sidecar um, that said sometimes the wording was a little confusing about inputs and outputs. And then there's Greylock inputs and outputs, but it's kind of mirrored and flipped around. Um, so uh, yeah, we're putting a lot of work into Sidecar. Absolutely. So that is actually something that is something we should we should consider for our, um, for our use cases. Uh, very specifically, while we're still building it, is this whole roll out a Sysmon configuration and manage that process. Um, that's extremely interesting. Absolutely. And then another thing I have to say I'm very excited about is um, you guys looking to, to add support for audit beat, uh, packet beat, right? Um, the, the beats agents from Elastic are just simply phenomenal. And um, the, the amount of information that we're able to gather with those agents is fantastic. So um, packet beat especially, I think I'm looking forward to the most. So 
thank you guys for for putting in the time yeah, and work think, to um, get those things integrated. Three O, we will have support for more beats. Actually, Absolutely. so previously we on, the the server side of Greylock only had like support for several beat types, like packet beat, um, file beat, metrics beat, I guess. But in three we changed the uh, beats input to be a bit more generic, so that it can basically accept inf- uh, data from all different kind of beats. Yeah. Fantastic. Cool. Hey, did anyone notice that I did not loudly sip on my tea? This was the biggest concern before we started the recording. <laughs> I poured myself a really hot tea. I burnt my tongue, though. This is this is the so kind of injury I, I take um, for this podcast. Eric, do you have any? Um, so you mentioned that you that you have a lot of uh, streams, right? Where you alert on, and so I guess not sure how many streams you have, but I guess I guess you have a lot. So is there anything that we could do that we could improve to help you managing that? So, um, and I, I'm, I'm nervous saying this because especially with you guys being the, the developers that built this, you might hear this and say, oh, he's totally going about this, maybe not, not the right way. But, but so one, one thing that would really help me, I think, with the streams is to have a little bit more Boolean operator flexibility, right? Um, if, I could, if I could, you know, write a stream that would give me a little bit more flexibility with, you know, if you see this and this, or that, but not this, right? And instead of kind of right now, I think we're we're basically it's either all or or any. Um, so maybe some flexibility on that would would help. But I think that the the way to accomplish that that I that I've found is the, with the pipelines, right? You can get a lot more granular with pipelines. But um, I, I just being honest, I think the pipelines might be a little bit out of reach for some users of Graylog, and so. To put that into the GUI would might might, yeah, might be a, an, so an enabler like for a lot something of folks. like uh, boolean expressions or something so that you can combine instead of just these uh, static uh, types we now have. Right, maybe okay. almost like cascading cool. conditions, right? Yeah, this might fit, Bernd, this might fit into our whole conversation about yeah. uh, restructuring how the streams and the Definitely. inputs and the processing pipelines and everything hangs together, right? Yep. Yep. That's, uh, there's more work coming up for that too. <laughs> Fantastic. Cool. Uh, Chris just virtually so Eric, raised... Eric, this is... <laughs> yep. Sorry about that. Uh, Eric, I was going to ask you, have you implemented your self-defending network in a production environment yet? It's, it's fun for a project, but it could easily, I think you could extend that to a real production no, network as you're well. You're absolutely right. So um, one of the disclaimers I threw out during my, my talk at Art into Science was, you know, your mileage may vary and you never, you never want to implement automated actions on a production network without very, very, you know, you know, thorough testing and deep consideration about, you know, what could go wrong here, right? Now, at the end of the day, I think you can be pretty confident that if you have an automated response that, say, is looking at your Apache logs for the presence of a WP scan user agent, right? Well, WP scan is very clearly, you know, connected to an attack tool. So for you to then automatically add that source IP to some sort of DNAT or a, a black hole or something, you're probably going to be fine. And, and I doubt you're going to impact the business. But 
if these things are not implemented very carefully, you know, obviously bad things could happen. So it's one of those, you know, you know, be, be ultra careful, but you're spot on. I mean, there's no reason that this can't be done in an enterprise environment. Um, and yes, actually, I have I have done this on a small scale in production environments, uh, but I, I, I kind of approach it a little bit more cautiously than I do maybe at DEF CON when who cares if I do something a, a little overly aggressive um, so are they. <laughs> so, you know, we, we, we have a really good time with it. Um, and uh, it's, it's fantastic. But you're, you're absolutely right. There's no reason not to, to consider ways to use this to defend an enterprise, because at the end of the day, um, you know, analysts only have so many hours in the day, uh, we have to sleep at some point, And anything you can teach your tools to do for you is a force multiplier. So yeah, big believer in that. Thanks, Eric. Yeah, I've always told customers in the past, if if you know for a fact that every single time this happens, you will block that person from the network, exactly. go ahead and automate it. That's something you can be safe about. But that's it has to be, like you said, a very high bar because you the, the, the potential for doing something you didn't intend. Absolutely. Uh, great. Which is why I'm also a really big fan of doing things like taking a RAM capture because there's no harm in that at all. But I'm now capturing volatile data that might significantly enhance, you know, uh, an investigation. So, um, you know, there's no, there's no real risk to the business at that point, but I am still um, increasing our effectiveness of our incident response capability. And um, one thing that I've seen that was kind of a cool full circle thing that someone did was um, imagine you're doing this automatic black holing or blocking of a, uh, of an IP that used a known uh, attack tool on your website. Um, someone did that and felt um, felt pretty comfortable about it, um, did that, but in the same moment also set up a threshold alert if your um if the number of um if the number of web requests from a certain region go down too much after that happens so you can even do the full circle of okay i'm going to do that but i'm also going to get alerted automatically by greylock if that causes something Spot bad on. Um, now of course this is not going to happen if you uh if you accidentally block the ceo of your own company from uh, from accessing the website that's not going to cause a it's not going to cause a real uh drop in requests that you could spot but for like really catastrophic things you can you can even set up the general monitoring then too and be alerted on it um that's something that i saw that i i thought was very cool i think specifically that was about blocking uh triggering an action on a firewall and blocking whole subnets uh and then monitoring uh the number of block packets and the number of uh the ratio between the block packets and the uh, uh the allowed packets yeah you know Leonard, that actually brings up a very, very simple concept that I think is is actually just one of those fundamentals that uh, that a lot of people forget about. Is one of my most useful um, streams or uh, alerts on a stream would be a minimum number of events that I should see in a period of time, like you said. And I use that to say if if you know I've got sensors that should be shipping logs. Well, then never under any situation should I have zero logs over a course of five minutes. And one of the, one of the worst things I think that could happen to a security team is, you know, the CISO coming down and saying, hey, I need to know, you know, what, what kind of suspicious activity did we see three months ago because apparently we were attacked. And you turning and saying, oh, wow, I'm just now realizing that we haven't been getting logs from that system. Um, so we don't, we don't know. 
we have no visibility. Um, that's a pretty pie on the face kind of moment. And so even something as simple as saying, alert me if you don't see this quantity of logs over a certain period of time can, can help you catch some pretty bad situations. Absolutely. I remember setting up um, uh, Greylog at a company a few years ago. And um, one of the first things we set up was something around, um, yeah, alert me on a number of, of uh, whenever the number of errors on the platform, that was a web platform, uh, uh, reaches a certain a certain number uh, per minute, for example, but then also set up one for also alert me if there's not enough requests coming in at all. That I think on the second day spotted immediately an issue with the load balancer that was misconfigured that just sent all the traffic to another box. Um, so yeah, you always want to also monitor if there's simply not enough events coming in or no events at you all. Bet. Um, well, actually, I think, uh, Bernd, we talked about this yesterday in, 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 uh, in Slack, actually, about an automatic monitoring for... Uh, alert me about any box that used to send data and is now no longer sending any yeah, data definitely. and just automatically send out an alert for that. That's going to be a 3.0 feature. Hey, that, that actually reminds me, I've got a very minor feature request. <laughs> I should I should submit it on GitHub. But um, the sidecar collector, when you first install the sidecar collector, the default configuration has a predefined collector name, I believe, of, you know, um, I forget, it's Greylog dash sidecar dash collector maybe. And because that default entry is there, by default, all of your all of your collectors will be named that, where I actually prefer that default entry not being there because it, it defaults to the host name of the system. Thanks. I actually so, thought uh, that the default was the host name, but um, minor. yeah, I will check that. Thank you. Mm-mm. Yeah, the default is the host name if uh, no value uh, is supplied, okay. but yeah, the default configuration be. is supplying a value. Uh, that makes sense. Cool. Well, we've. Uh, I think we're we're uh, approaching the thirty-five minute mark. Um, that was a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for for joining us today, Eric. And I'm I'm looking forward to. Uh, running into you the next time or the next conference where we actually know that we'll both be um so that's going to be defcon the latest but there's a bunch of other stuff and you're really i mean down the street so uh who knows maybe we'll have a beverage in in austin that'd be fantastic Thank you, Eric. and thanks for having me guys it's uh it's an honor to be on your podcast Thanks so much, Eric. And if you are headed to San Francisco next week, we will be at Elasticon actually. We'll have another famous Greylog sweet party. So we'd love to see you there or any of our other listeners in the San Francisco area. It's going to be, I think, Wednesday, the 28th of February, Correct. Right? Yes. Next Wednesday, February 28th. And in true Greylog fashion, this podcast, uh, we're going to have zero editing. So we're going to post it this afternoon. We'll also include um, the links you mentioned, Eric. So we'll include Richard's um, GitHubs and IonStorm and Swift on Security. So everyone can see the references. That sounds fantastic. This is also getting a little more organized already. Uh, we should always have an external guest. Uh, this forces us a little <laughs> to have real conversations. I like that. Yeah. So if anyone else would like to be a guest on our next episode, feel free to shoot me an email at taylor at graylog.com. And we'll include it in the notes as well. Thank you Thank so you. much, Eric. Bye. We greatly appreciate it. You bet. Thank you, guys. And see you at the next podcast. Thanks,
Bye, everyone. Bye.